All right, welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. I am finally back. It is season two. I have taken a nice three-month hiatus. Uh, I have missed the podcast dearly. Unfortunately, I have been studying this whole time for my boards, which I passed. I'm super happy to say that I passed. And then I suffered what I like to call a boards hangover, and that's really what today's episode is going to be all about. I initially planned on starting the podcast like the day after I took my boards, and of course that's not how it went down. So I'm finally back. I got a great episode for you today with my close friend Macy. We're going to be talking about exactly that, what this last few months of our life has been like dealing with boards. I really think you guys are going to like that. I think it's going to be insightful to this wild, crazy experience that we went through. And also, I have more exciting news. If you want to support the podcast, if you want to learn more about what it's like to be a medical student, me and my close friend Richard actually wrote a book. And what this book is like, it's called Imperfect Balance. You can find it on Amazon. It's also, you can find links in my Instagram to get to the page. We wrote a book essentially highlighting 10 of the best stories uh, of the podcast in the first season. They're all about first-year medical students who deal with a wide variety of behavioral health conditions, you know, ranging from, of course, my story of bipolar disorder to depression, postpartum depression, OCD, sexual trauma, ADHD. It's really a wild collection of stories, and all of us are really making it work, though, in medical school and being successful medical students. I really think you guys are going to like this book. This book provides also additional information on what our classes are like, what the demands are like. So if you have someone in your life that could, you think could be a value to the, or would find value in this book, be sure to send it along to them. It's on Amazon. It's $9.99. So nice, easy way to give them a gift to learn about medical school and also a great way to support me in this podcast because of course hosting and all my microphones is not free. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with my great friend Macy, The Board's Hangover. All right, uh, we have to start out with the cheers. That's how all Okay. to coffee, cheers. whatever. Okay, so we are here, start of season two of Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. Thank you for being the first guest of season two. Of course, uh, I'm excited. Post boards test Ugh. podcast. I think I'm going to call this like the boards hangover podcast. I like it. Like, you know, figuratively hungover. Um, we'll work on that working title. <laughs> but just, I, I still have had so much trouble even motivating myself to do anything. And I took that test about a month ago. Yeah. It's, oh, it's both tests yeah. about a month ago. It is really hard. And part of it, I think, is also just getting into this new groove of out of the classroom, into the clinics, finding what we're doing. But then at the end of the day, I do not want to study. Yeah. So I guess we should let the listeners know like who you are. So you're essentially in the same shoes as me, third-year med student. We took our tests, uh, the USMLE and Comlex, in June, and we'll kind of explain to the listeners what all these crazy acronyms mean. Uh, you'll hear us probably say a lot of acronyms today. This episode is probably best suited for probably medical students um, or people who want to go to medical school who know what boards are and what boards entails. But 
you know, if you're someone who is married to someone who's in med school or a good friend, like, this episode will serve as a good episode on, like, what their experience is like studying for boards. Um, I was telling you this before the podcast, like, I think studying for boards was probably the worst period of my life and the most depressed, most anxious I've ever been outside of, like, going to the psych ward, my manic episode, and my crazy depression for, like, two years, the most severe portion of it. Um, but outside of that period, like, this last six months sucked. Yeah. Um, would you agree? I would definitely agree. It was, it was definitely one of the most trying, like, mentally periods of my life. And physically, I feel like I've gained some weight just yeah. putting that off. And um, but just it's a mental game. I I really feel like it it challenges you mentally if you can keep studying that long every day, and then hoping it pays off. Yeah, it just messes with you. Yeah, and I like I definitely put on I think I put on about twenty pounds since the beginning of twenty nineteen. Yep. Um, and a lot of that was I think towards. I would make excuses on why I couldn't eat well or exercise. I'd be like, oh, well, I need to study. I need to do this. So I would not cook meals. I would go to Taco Bell and other stupid things like that. Um, I'd be studying late into the night. Mm-hmm. And so me personally, I would have like a beer or two with studying quite frequently. So I put on quite a bit of weight. And then... I would go to the gym and, like, say I would study at the gym, and normally I wouldn't even really study, or I would barely even work out, so it was just bad. It, just all bad. Yeah, it was bad. I I had the same experience because I feel like even though we know better, we know that it's good for us to go to the gym. We know it's good to eat healthy. It's the first things to go when we start getting yeah. stressed, and when we think, I just need to study longer, I can't make dinner. I need to study for a few more hours, do 20 more questions, not going to the gym, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so stupid. I mean, it was, I felt taxing on like every part of my life. Like I had less time with my wife, mm-hmm. less time doing fun things. Um, my sleep was really negatively impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, I slept like shit, you yeah. know, just, I would sleep like five hours a night. I feel like most of the time. And I would try to go to bed a little earlier, but my mind would just be so preoccupied half the time with the test, mm-hmm. like reviewing old material while I was trying to wind down, that I just, like, I could not sleep. Or your dreams are the stuff you've just been studying, so yeah. you feel like you're still thinking and not actually sleeping. That happened yeah. to me a lot. It was terrible. I mean, there was, I think, around about April or so, I actually went in to talk to my psychiatric nurse practitioner. Oh, really? Because... I was just so anxious all the time. I was really irritable and like I was having a hard time almost with like my temper. Just everything was annoying me. Um, Thank God my wife is just so understanding and super cool. But my uh, psychiatric nurse practitioner actually bumped up my dosage of my valproic acid a little bit. Oh, really? Um, Because we were just kind of so worried and we she thought like the stress of boards, and she says it's very normal for people with bipolar disorder, the stress of boards, like, kind of threw me off a little. Um, And so I ended up taking a little bit more dosage than normal for a little while, and then, like, there were some insurance changes, so then I didn't. But that's a different story. (laughs) But it was just, yeah, this last six months was terrible. And I don't know any other way to describe it. We're going to try to at least tell some good stories today. Um, I think... The people listening who are like a year behind us, who are just thinking about boards, can hopefully apply this and maybe redo the la- 
the next year of their life a little better than maybe me and you did. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we can help. So I guess let's take this back to, we'll take this kind of chronologically. So listeners, we're going to go over like the start of board season, um, dealing with the school curriculum and the studying for the board curriculum, what it was like l- taking the practice test like the weeks before the real test, um, and then really kind of like committing to a test date and almost like in a sense like taking like a gamble on it um being the situation that you mean you were both in so we'll talk about that a little bit and then we'll try to give advice to any future students that you know hopefully we can just make it a little bit easier on you um i know a lot of the advice that we read online was certainly helpful but it seems that a lot of the advice is from students that are like just hardcore studiers (laughs) They're doing super well. It's not like school isn't hard to them. You know, they're complaining that they're in the 75th percentile. They want to be in the 90th. And it's like hard for me to relate to that. Um, Okay. So, Macy, what, why don't you take us like six months ago? So, January 2019, I think the first decision that students are dealing with, at least osteopathic students like us, is whether we take both sets of boards or just one. So can you explain like what that means and what you ended up doing? Yeah, so back in kind of December for me, Christmas break is when I really started thinking about it. And I am interested in internal medicine and that's kind of what's always been on my mind. So I didn't, I know that is, you don't need the USMLE probably for that, but I and wanted... And so what's the USMLE again that the, we keep referring to? The USMLE is the board examinations that MD students yeah. take. And as DO students, we take something called a complex. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we call them step one, which is USMLE, or level one, which is complex. Um, it's just the first part of the board exam all medical students take. And so DO students have to take the complex always. But then it's a choice if we decide to take the USMLE. And a lot of students historically have decided to take that because it, quotation marks here, opens up more doors for Mm -hmm. more residency programs. Um, This past year, they merged the residencies. So now DOs and MDs can all apply to the same programs. And so it's kind of been a question of, do we still take both board exams? And that's a question everyone kind of had to decide for themselves and the advice is kind of both ways uh, if you think you can pass it you should definitely take the USMLE that's what people say if you don't think you can pass it don't because it's worse if you fail it like that's what everyone tells us so it's kind of a scary choice to decide am I going to mm-hmm. take that test and part of me I honestly think was pride that I was said, you know, I think I can pass that test. I mm-hmm. want to take it. So I decided I wanted to start studying for both. And I also thought, well, if it does open up more doors, then I want more doors open to me. So yeah. those are kind of my two motivating factors that if I think I can pass it, which I thought I could pass it, and if it's going to allow me to apply to more residencies, that seems like a good thing. So that mm-hmm. was kind of my decision making, decided I would start studying for both. So I bought Cram Fighter, which is like a, a web program that you can buy, and it has all of the resources that medical students would be using to study for the boards. And so you can choose your timeframes, you can choose your resources, and it builds a schedule for you. 
-hmm. And I thought, well, that might help me stay on track and it would help me um, go kind of systematically through everything I would need to study for the next six months. So I did that, I set it up, I used Boards and Beyond, Pathoma, Sketchy, these are all, everything I'm listing are very medical students. Yeah. All medical students yeah. know what they are. Yeah. yeah. They're Sorry just, listeners if you don't. Yeah. Be, be happy that you yeah. don't know what they <laughs> yeah. are. Actually. They're yeah. just kind of the high yield like lecture videos uh, that you need to know to pass the boards essentially. So I had all of the things and I built this cram fighter around those. I had a few question banks. I used uh, UWorld and I used ComBank. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit of Kaplan because that was provided for, from the school. And so once the second semester started, it became more challenging than when I was just on Christmas break, kind of mm -hmm. leisurely studying. Um, because now we had, a, we had systems and we had clinical skills and we had our osteopathic manipulation therapy classes we had to also go to. But then... After that, you know, I had 15 things on my cram fighter list that I had to study for boards, as did anyone who had some kind of schedule they were following. And so that got to be very challenging um, because I also was kind of the student that I was doing okay in my systems classes up until mm. this point, and I wanted to keep doing that, um, even though all we have to do is get a 70%. I, you know, I wanted to keep doing as well as I could. And so that time balance was a struggle for me. They say that studying for boards is studying, or studying for systems is studying for yeah. boards. And partially I'm not true. so sure yeah, that's partially true. true. Yeah. Well, let's talk then about, okay, so Cram Fighter is just essentially like a service that can help you make a schedule to study for boards, long story short. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I felt about studying for boards, it's like I feel we as medical students were such like vulnerable consumers, I yes. guess is the right way to describe it. Cause we're all so nervous about this test <laughs> that we're willing to shell out a lot of money for additional resources. Um, everybody buys UWorld, which is like the best question bank there is, even if you take uh, only the osteopathic sets of tests. Um, you know, I remember I bought like a Conquest QBank and that was it, kind of for, I guess I bought a uh, Pixarize, which is this another like imaging thing. But we all shell out so much money that's on, on top of our tuition, which mm -hmm. is already a lot of money, um, just for this damn sets of boards. And I felt that we did kind of get taken advantage of by a lot of these boards companies. And I actually think Cramfighter, I, I mean, I didn't use it and I, kind of probably made fun of a lot of you people for it because I felt it was the biggest ripoff of all of them because I at least knew that when I if I were to use cram fighter I know I would have gotten behind and it would have just caused me so much anxiety because I set up like a schedule and it was pretty easy to follow and I had to adjust that schedule maybe eight times yeah you know because I would always bite off more than I could actually chew and so w would you suggest other people use Cram Fighter or was it something that looking back, you're like, I did not need that? Um, I, I still do like that I used it because it did give me some kind of structure where I otherwise would have felt like I was just randomly doing things. Right. Um, 
I like that I could just choose all the, I wanted to read this many pages, watch this many videos, and it would tell me. But yeah, I would have 45 overdue items sometimes, and that would create anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have still had that anxiety had I made my own schedule or, you know, mm -hmm. I just feel like there was no way to stay on top of what we had to do. Um, the one thing that me and our friend, who my study partner, noticed about um, Cram Fighter is that we got so, it was so nice to check the boxes that sometimes I think we were not really getting that information into our head, but we were just kind of trying Going to get it done so we could check the box because mm. then it would say, great job, keep it up, you yeah. know, and you could check off your overdue items or the items that were due that day. And as I got closer to the test, I was like, geez, I think I started caring more about checking those boxes than mm -hmm. actually learning that material. So that would be a, a trap I would say be careful with. But I do like that it kind of gave me some direction each day. Yeah. Um, because I felt very overwhelmed and lost going into board studying. I didn't yeah. know how I was going to manage reviewing all of what we've just learned, you know, up until that point. Yeah, it's terrifying. And, I mean, I guess before we kind of talk about that, what I want to just talk about real quick is, you know, taking the both sets of boards, I was kind of one of those people who didn't decide until very late that I wanted to take both sets of boards. And, um, you know, I'm interested in psychiatry. I didn't think it was necessarily something I had to do. But I just thought about my future career when I know I was going to run into somebody who would say, well, you're just a D.O. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I want wanted to be able to say to their face, like, hey, I took the exact same board test as you and passed. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought about, yes, of course, it will open more doors, but whatever. I mean, I kind of look at our training as we do our residency wherever, and then we get to pick wherever we want to live. It won't be that bad. Mm -hmm. um, but I always know that I could, will run into that person. So that was highly motivating for me to decide to take two tests because... I didn't want to invest in so much time and so much money into our medical education when, uh, you know, these two tests are different at the end of the day. Um, one of them has, of course, the osteopathic stuff, like manipulative stuff, which I have mixed feelings about, to put lightly. <laughs> um, and the other test is just a little bit more respected, I think, because it's been around longer. Mm -hmm. So I remember very vividly our dean sent out an email like oh the two these two tests are now theoretically on paper supposed to be equivalent and even the dean in his own words said you know in practice though this might not be reality kind of thing mm -hmm. and i just look at all these program directors who are probably you know in their late 60s or whatever they've been practicing medicine for quite some time if they look at kind of us like me and you new age students they might not take us as serious um, so I still think it's in everyone's best interest to at least plan on taking both mm -hmm. because I realized that because I didn't start studying for the USMLE, the MD test until super late, I think I was kind of behind the game. But as soon as I did, everything else went up better. Like I was training for the harder competition. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing better than maybe I originally would have done. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were starting to talk about now let's, I guess, talk about like February and March of this past year and kind of the mental health challenges that second year med students go through. And I think all of us kind of deal with the fact that 
we're having to deal with our regular school curriculum, but also trying to teach us all the materials that we need for boards. And, you know, you would think from the outsider's perspective, like, oh, isn't that just the same thing? Like, medicine is medicine, the human body is whatever, uh, endocrinology is endocrinology. But it's really, really not. Um, the school curriculum sometimes can be highly favoritized by um, what the teacher's preferences are, whatever they may be. And then the board material is sometimes a little bit broader and not as in-depth, sometimes deals with just different stuff. But it's at least a little bit more universal, it seems like. So how did you handle that challenge of trying to study both and succeed in both boards and the school? So I kind of took an attitude where I said, okay, studying for this system I'm doing now, which what did we even do in January and February? Uh, endocrine? OBGYN? <laughs> I have no idea. They all mix together. Okay, I yeah. blacked out. I have no I idea. Know. So whatever system we were doing, I was like, well, I have to learn this. It's the first time we're being exposed to this. So I do feel like I want to take this seriously. And so I did put in, you know, I, I went to lecture because I usually always went to lecture. So I tried to keep doing that because it got yeah. me out of bed in the morning. It got me out of my house. Um, you were one of those kids. I know. I was one of those. Yeah. And, um... And so I would be like, okay, this, I'm counting this as my kind of first pass of this. My, I'm seeing this at least. I know what this lecture was about. And then I would spend probably all my after school quotation marks time. So maybe after five o'clock was mostly board studying. So during the day, I tried to think about systems or our clinical skills or OPP, which is our manual training stuff. And, and then in the evenings, it was kind of my board study time. In the past, like first year, I would spend probably two, three nights leading up to the test, like with my study partner going over everything that might be on that test. Second year, when board started, we'd spend one day, like one evening, a couple hours trying to just cram. And so I definitely noticed we cut our time down where we were studying for systems exams way down. And most of my time outside of our classroom hours, I feel like was spent in uh, board setting time. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing I noticed that I just had to be a little more focused when I was at school at that lecture because that might be the only time I see that again before the night before the test. So that was that was kind of how I tried to balance it. I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, I just kind of try. I think I almost studied for boards too much sometimes at times, but I, in many ways I'm kind of glad I did that. Right. Um, because I just barely passed a couple of the, our school programs. And uh, that was terrifying. And I think I got extremely lucky in some respects. I remember the final test of OBGYN, I got the exact amount of points I needed to pass the, the whole course. I mean, but that's all we have to do. Yeah. Um, C's get you degrees. Exactly. And, you know, so I don't really know how that balance, how to give advice on it, I guess, on that balance. Just, I think... If you're a student that is doing well enough where you can slack a little bit more and study for boards, I encourage you to do that. Mm -hmm. um, just because the boards is such a different large animal that it doesn't really compare to the MCAT or like SATs or anything like that. It's just so obscure and so vast mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, it was, it was just terrible. Um, 
I do wish school catered a little bit more towards prepping for boards. I don't know if our school was a little different than other programs that might have been maybe more uh, board prepping curriculum style programs. Mm -hmm. I hear I hear like the Caribbean schools are very into kind of just prepping for boards. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I guess maybe they do that because you know, Caribbean schools maybe have a harder time getting into residencies. Yeah. So they're like, well, at least if our students have higher board scores. I don't yeah. know. That's just a theory that I'm throwing out there. I mean, and I also just think like a school, they, I know that all osteopathic schools, they want our, their students to do well. Mm -hmm. I get that. And I think it's, their gut feeling is always initially like, okay, well, let's give the students more lecture time, more interaction with professors. And that will lead to more higher board scores. Like, if we just teach them more, they'll get they'll mm -hmm. smarter. More quizzes, they'll get smarter. When in contrast, it's probably, like, if we had more freedom, if we had more dedicated study time, like, I think I might have been able to do a little bit better on boards. Um, and other, other schools out there, um, like if we look at University of Washington, which is the other probably closest school to us, at least one of the closest yeah. medical schools to us. I'm pretty sure, and of course, internet, don't quote me on this, but I think, <laughs> don't they have like a two or three month dedicated study period? They have more than us. That's really all I'm comfortable to yeah. admitting to, but I, I don't know the exact number, but they have more than us. Well, I guess we should describe to the listeners that don't know, like, what, so what is dedicated study time that we keep talking about? So, dedicated study time would mean our classes have ended. So, all of our requirements or our responsibilities on campus and with our school have ended, and now we have just our own time. Kind of like now we're on summer break because of summer break, it's we're going to be studying for boards all day, every day, until whenever we choose to schedule our exam. But that's, I mean, you might just have just heard me say whenever we choose to take our exam, but that's not exactly true because we have to be at our orientation for rotations the the week before or the last week of June, mm -hmm. right? So the last week of June, you have to be at your site wherever you're going to be doing rotations ready to do orientation. So you can't, unless you're choosing to kind of defer some of your rotations, you have that end time limit where you have if you're moving you have to factor in when are you going to move and so our classes ended may 17th yeah our last thing we had to do is may 17th so that really gave everybody maybe a month to five weeks and you even had less than that yeah. yeah and so yeah if some of us chose to take it even earlier if we wanted or if we had something coming up that summer or we wanted a break or whatever so Four mm -hmm. weeks to maybe five was the max someone would have if they were planning on starting rotations July 1st. Yeah. Which is not very much time to study for what people say is the most important thing to determine where you're going to go to residency. Yeah. And, it, like, my buddy who he was one of my groomsmen at uh, my wedding, he, I tried to, like, mimic what he did exactly. And he had, I think six or eight weeks of dedicated study time I only had six or no four so it just always kind of made me envious mm -hmm. and so I guess another thing though before we kind of talk about like the practice tests and stuff is like how to develop a study plan and I guess 
I always, and one thing I realized I did incorrectly over these past four months is I emulated students that did extremely well on the test, and that's how I prepped to study for the test, but I also wish I kind of added in like a Logan Noon realistic factor. Yeah. Because I, for instance, I was really into, um, and I think you used it, yeah, you did use it, Anki, the yeah. flashcard software. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to use this flashcard software, which my buddy Dan, he taught me about, taught me everything, how it works. Really good for memorizing all these obscure details that we have to know. So Dan used a deck that was like 30,000 cards large. Oh, yeah, just massive. And like spending four hours a day, five hours a day doing these flashcards. And he, you know, succeeded, did extremely, extremely well on his board exams, like top 5%, like crazy, crazy good. So I tried to do exactly what he was doing, and I just realized, like, my level of understanding of medicine, my uh, natural talents as a student was just different than Dan. And, like, I was trying to do that same deck, and it would take me way longer, and then I would end up getting caught in the details, not doing well on board material, and not doing well on school material, because I was trying to memorize these obscure details and not even understanding sort of the basic facts. So in that long-winded answer, I just think you have to develop a plan that you know works and you've seen it works on other people, but really apply it to yourself. Like, okay, what can I realistically kind of handle? Because towards the end, it turned into me doing a much smaller deck that was only like maybe 3,000 cards or so and hardcore on those sketchy pictures. Those yeah, cartoon, money. Yeah, cartoon. I I did the same thing. So um, our mutual friend, Travis, has a friend who is a year ahead of us in school. And he basically told us, this is what I did to study. And I think he got like a 240 on the USMLE. So we're Very like... Very good score. Yeah, yeah, that's a good score. So we were like, okay, we'll just do exactly that and hope that works out. And so really everything that we did to we set up our study schedule was based on the advice of someone who was successful and did very well. Mm-hmm. And I had the same experience. So like that I should have managed my expectations a little more earlier on. Mm-hmm. Once we got to the practice tests, I realized what was going to be happening. But, um, early on I was thinking, well, if I just do exactly what this guy did, I should have a similar result and that's fine. So I was not that stressed about it. I was like, I'm just going to get through this. And that's, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So before, I want to talk about practice tests, but before we talk to that, I want to talk more about, I guess, like the finances of board studying. Okay. Are there anything that you, looking back at, spent money on that you're like, that was a complete waste of money? Um, because it's just, like I said, I think companies kind of take a predatory attitude on us. They know that we want to succeed. We obviously have student loan money that we're willing to spend on our future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they kind of scammed us. Um, I think some people, I think I did a decent job, but I mean, is there anything that you thought you got kind of ripped off on? Um, kind of. So I bought um, Calm Quest, but I didn't buy it until two months out from the exam. Okay. So I thought that was. That worked out great because I was using HomeQuest basically to get those OPPs, so the osteopathic specific questions. Yeah. And so I didn't buy that the whole time, so that was a good decision for me. I used UWorld, the main question bank, since December, and then two months out, I started doing osteopathic specific questions to prepare for that Comlex. So that was like a good financial choice, I think, because it was like 
a hundred bucks. It was sometime when they were doing some discount. And then um, I bought the whole Sketchy package, yeah. which I mostly only use Sketchy Micro because mm-hmm. I thought that Sketchy Farm and Sketchy Path just were giving me too much information. They were too long for board studying. That was I couldn't. I didn't watch those videos at all. Mm-hmm. And maybe during systems, if you buy that during systems and you're good about watching them, that could be a different story. But if you're just buying it for boards. I would say micro. Save yourself some money. Micro's the money for me. Yeah. That was my experience. Sorry. Yeah, it's just smacking your microphone <laughs> around here, Macy. She's passionate about <laughs> sketching micro. Just love sketching micro. Um, um, but, I mean, kind of on that, um, and this sounds nefarious, oh. but uh, med students were, of course, smart people yes. and resourceful. And there's a kind of an, a great online community of <laughs> uh, medical students, of course. So, you know, uh, on record, I, of course, would never do this. <laughs> um, find pirated versions of these videos. I would never think of doing that. But let me just say <laughs> that you can easily get access to these files and not spend the money... Um, I'm just saying, I mean, I would never do that. Right. Uh, exactly. But if you wanted to save yourself a dollar, you wouldn't <laughs> have to spend the money. Um, I'm just saying, I mean, just talk around amongst your med yeah. students kind of thing. Because well, medical stu- school is so expensive. It is it is what it is. It is. That is true. We do pay so much money for everything, and there's so many resources like, the day you show up for medical school, everyone's trying to throw resources at you. Yeah. And then when you get around to boards, it happens again. And, and more resources isn't always the answer. No, it's never the answer because then you're just splitting, you're spreading yourself too thin and you're not learning anything well. Yeah. So, I do, I felt like I wanted to purchase them and have them. Yeah. You know, I, I just felt like that too. was, yeah, I we mean, all did. Yeah. But, so that was, I did so it I, legally. But, like, um, if you buy Pathoma, you get the textbook, and you have access to updated videos and all those things, and I wanted the book. So, Pathoma is on pathology, and that was, I loved it. Definitely would do that again. If I were to do Sketchy again, I would probably only buy Micro. Um, Cram Fighter, meh. There might be something better out there. You might be able to make your own schedule um, if you do Osmosis, which is another program you can buy that it kind of sets up all your studying for systems it has its own schedule maker built in so that could like save you something i've never used osmosis i don't know if it's a good thing um so i've used it quite a bit like i used their uh they had a lot of youtube videos because what i found what really helped me a lot during kind of this wild dedicated and crazy study period and i guess for the listeners what we should explain like i feel like i was doing like Maybe 60 to 70 hours of studying a week or so. Easily. You know, like Mm -hmm. it was, you know, 10, 12 hour days, most days. Weekends was still probably about six or seven a day. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And so instead of always looking at my computer screen or something else, I would try to change it up. So I'd watch quite a bit of stuff on YouTube. And so um, Dirty USMLE was a free YouTube page that I really, really liked. Yeah, it's so good. just kind of had stupid little mnemonics that were like nine times out of ten related to sex, but then you can remember six them. in your yeah. head yeah and then osmosis was another really good uh free resource and they of course all these kind of free resources seem to have premium options where you can 
get extra features and whatever, but I just encourage any of the listeners to... All of them offer free stuff, so I think you should see if you like it mm-hmm. and commit to, like, two different resources. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're presenting roughly the same stuff. I think if you just do that material, you're not going to get an amazing score, but you'll do reasonable. Think and it so pops, it's like, hopefully. know those two resources really, really well versus knowing 10 resources barely at all kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of us can kind of easily fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you'll notice, like, if you're a med student, you'll notice that every so often it's like, there's a discount if you have to buy it right now and you're not sure if you want to use that resource, but you feel like, well, it's discounted. Maybe I should just buy it. And yeah. that you kind of get sucked into that. Well, if this upperclassman is telling me to buy it and it's a discount, I should just buy it. And it's it's really hard to wade through all the... Well, and it makes you think that you're going to do better automatically. Yeah. Like, oh, I have this other resources. I'll do better. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not true. No, it's not true. You You really have to... Like, find someone that maybe is a little bit ahead of you who you trust and really talk it out with them and figure out what would work for you. And don't just buy everything that's presented to you because it's... You can't do everything well. So pick a few things and do those well. Like, I ended up buying ComQuest, which is the osteopathic Mm Q-Bank. And I didn't even finish it before the test. Right. And because I just was ended up using UWorld, and I thought UWorld was so much easier and a better teaching model um, that, you know, for our next set of boards, which hopefully will be easier. It seems like it will be yeah, easier. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, I'm just going to use UWorld, and mm-hmm. I think it will be a lot more chill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I want to talk to you about practice test era <laughs> season. And me and you both had kind of similar experiences um i thought it was a little bit wild crazy stupid and in some ways you could say what we did um it turned out to be successful we both passed both of our tests um, so i think it's a very good story and i think it's a story that also um you don't hear that much because at least come or, once it comes to practice season um practice test season that is you know you can go on these websites like reddit and student doctor network and find all these like online articles, blogs, whatever you want to use, community of people online talking about, okay, I got this on the various practice tests. This is what I got on the real exam. So if you are taking these practice tests, this is kind of where you'll stack up kind of thing. And I remember spending, I at least spent hours on those those <laughs> web pages, reading and trying to calculate where I was at. And it, it was extremely frustrating because a vast majority of those people who actually posted their scores online did extremely well on their tests. Oh my gosh. Um, And so just saying that, I need to post my stuff online now that I think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, you know, we didn't do great. It was, like, good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so what was your, like, you know, when you're at that point where, let's say, a month or two out from the board exam now... Where you're starting to take practice tests, like what was that experience like for you? Okay, so I had been doing UWorld since December, and I was trying to finish it once before dedicated. So by the time like our school ended, I wanted to reset it and try again. And so a month out from boards, or even getting close, like I don't know, April. That'd be two months out. 
I was starting to do better on UWorld questions, so my percent right was going up. And I was thinking, okay, like, this is the right progression that I'm having. I was kind of disappointed with my scores, and it started creeping up. So I was like, this is a good trajectory. This seems promising. And then um, I reset UWorld. I start doing it, and I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm getting good, better percentages than I did the first time. And I don't think it's just because I remember the questions. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I've learned, and everything I was doing, like, I'm trusting the process, and it's working. And so I take, well, and another fun thing about the USMLE practice test is that they decided to give us all brand new ones this year Mm -hmm. instead of the ones that everyone has been using for the past several years. So all the brand new tests had no data. So there was no kind of way you could say, okay, if I got this score. Like no like predictive value. Yeah, there was no predictive value to any of the tests except one. So we all kept that one until the very last test. Uh, so that would be the like predict kind of our score. So all these other tests, they were not predictive. So we'd take the test and be like, okay, I don't know what to do with this information. It wasn't good, mm-hmm. but I'm also a month out and I think that's okay that it wasn't good. I don't know what that means. You know, so I, it was unfortunate that that happened our year, <laughs> that we just had no data to tell us if we were on the right track. So I just was like, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm trusting this process. And take another practice test, show a little improvement. Still have no idea how that works. Well, then I'm getting out to, what, two weeks before the test, one week. I decided to keep, there was, there's a U-World test that's supposed to be very predictive. And then there's a the NBME number 18. That's the practice USMLE MD test that's supposed to be predictive. So those are the two that are supposed to kind of, if you average them, that's about what your score will be on the actual test. So I saved those until kind of the week before, and I took them within a couple of days of each other. So I did the UWorld test first, and I failed it. And, and that I, was uh, how long? How that was probably like, that was probably exactly a week before. Okay. And then I was doing the NVME one maybe like four days before okay. or something like that. That was roughly the timeline. So I failed that test and I kind of freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... I think I saw you, I think an hour <laughs> or so after that, I visited you in the... I was studying at the school yeah. too. And I saw you um, and yeah, you looked a little distressed. <laughs> Because I was, I was pretty, I mean, naturally stressed during that process, but mostly, like, I'm stressed, but this, I'm doing the right things. I'm taking the right steps. I've been diligent in studying. This stress is natural, but I'm going to be okay. And then I took that test and just rethought everything. And to be honest, before that, leading up to that, the last, like, two weeks, I had been, you know, everyone's asking, when are you taking your test? Are you even taking the MD test? And I'd be like these are my dates and if I'm either taking that MD test or I'm not like that's Mm -hmm. I'm never going to reschedule it that was my whole attitude like either I'm ready to take it or I'm not going to do it I'm not going to let it ruin my life well then I failed the (laughs) UWorld number two and I was like rethinking everything Mm -hmm. I thought well maybe I should just push it back maybe two more weeks is all I need I'm calling my dad my sister my study buddy my husband like everyone like what do I do? Because I am, I did not see this coming. Like I thought I was doing everything right. 
and this is the test that's supposed to be the most predictive and my test is in a week so I really freaked out I did think about moving it even though I was telling yeah. everyone for a month I would never move my test and um, I really had to spend kind of the next couple of days deciding I need to make a decision and I'm either going to eat $600 from that test or I'm going to pay who knows how much money to reschedule um, and I don't know it was really unsettling because I thought I was doing everything I should be doing mm -hmm. and in the past in my life that has worked out um, so I guess should I so I a couple days later I decided really I, once I take the next test I'll decide at that point I'm not going to, maybe this is a fluke, maybe this was a bad day. I'm going to take that other predictive test and see how I do and then decide. Um, so that was kind of like what quelled my fears at that point. So then I take the other one and I passed. Um, not by a good score, but I passed it. And so I thought, okay, well, this is just confusing because mm -hmm. I thought I figured I was going to fail it and then I would push my test back or cancel it. And so I passed, but barely. And that muddied the waters more for me, to be honest. Because now I was like, well, this feels like a big risk to take the test because I'm probably going to just barely pass or fail. Like, that's just how I felt. Mm -hmm. And um, so I called my dad, who's who I always call if I need some advice. And he's a pastor. Mm -hmm. So his advice is always kind of like built in with some, you know, like faith based opinions okay. and um, I called my sister who had taken the bar exam a few years ago and she kind of had like this like more academic like background mm -hmm. I called Travis who was like in the same boat as us you know who kind of had like our exact perspective um, of course I talked to my husband but you know he's he's just like you're so awesome you're gonna do great you know so I think he was more biased yeah. <laughs> um, and so basically the advice collectively I got was like you need to trust your gut like you need to trust yourself but you've been studying since December for this test you've been studying really for two years for this test with systems and you came to this medical school at this time kind of against some odds knowing you know I was a non-traditional student and you got this far and so you have a choice to make like trust that you have been doing the right thing and you're here for a reason and you can do this or don't take it and wonder you know don't wonder could I have passed it or did I just close a door for myself or you know so they kind of were like you know in the past you've taken tests and you've done well on them and you've risen to the occasion and maybe these tests weren't the score you wanted but on the real test day you might you might mm -hmm. show up, you know, in a bigger way than you did today because you knew that was a practice. Mm -hmm. And so kind of all that together and me seeing classmate after classmate just looking so discouraged, pushing their test dates, canceling their test dates. And I just thought, how are we letting this have that power over us? Yeah. How are we letting it just run our lives right now and let us be so miserable and so... I don't know. I was like, this test cannot have that kind of power. Like, I have so much more 
skill and talent and people skills than this one test is gonna show. Mm -hmm. And I think even if this goes poorly, I can prove myself in the clinic. I can take step two or level two and show improvement. And so like, I'm not gonna be afraid of this test. And that's not to put down anyone who didn't their test or that's a very personal decision that people had to make. So I took the test, I passed, but I did not get a great score um, on the USMLE. But I passed and you know, I really kind of, by not doing well in those practices, I kind of did manage my expectations. And like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm probably not gonna knock it out of the park, but I think I can pass. And I think I can do better than these practices are suggesting. So I decided just to go for it. And you know, last week or two weeks ago or something, I got my score and I passed and I, oh, there you, go. you know, like I, it worked out for me and that's not to say that it would be that for There's everybody. There's no guarantee. Yeah. But it's still, you know, you got to commend yourself for all the yeah. hard work that you did. And one thing I think that's very cool and awesome about your story and experience, it's like, so I remember I saw you. It must have, it probably was even like an hour or so after you finished that practicing test that you failed. And I knew you had this really amazing vacation scheduled with your husband where you were visiting your niece and nephew and sister um, in Disney World and like Orlando Studios, mm -hmm. right? And you've been planning this for I don't know how long. I've heard you talk about it for yeah. a very long time. And it, that day, it seemed like you were strongly considering canceling the vacation mm -hmm. or somehow trying to study while on vacation. I don't know. It just seemed all bad. And so I really <laughs> like what you say, how like, I'm going to let this test dictate a lot of my life, but not 100% of my mm -hmm. life. And it's like, I've given so much of this, my life to this test. It's like, in hearing your story, it kind of sounds like, okay, what would another week how much would that really improve my score? Because mm -hmm. um, I kind of tried to tried to take a similar attitude too. Because like a week before my exam, I think we flip flopped which predictive exam we failed. Yeah, and I failed the other one. But I remember the two most predictive tests. I did respectable on one and failed the other. So same thing. I was freaking out. I called everybody closest to me. What should I do? You know, is this stupid for me to take this? Should I push this back a few months and, and study more? But then there was a couple things I had thought about. One, I knew that when I was in clinic, I wouldn't come home and study. And for so long, I had been telling also my wife, like, okay, like, I know I'm being probably the worst husband right now. Like, you know, I'm right in the next room next to you. But we're, it's not like we're hanging out. Like, um, I'm yelling at you, like, turn the TV down. Like, <laughs> I need to study. Like, yeah, I can still hear this through my headphones. Like, God damn it. You know, like, being such a piece of shit. Just so annoying. And, like, thank God she tolerated me. Um, and, you know, I always kept telling her, like, okay, once July comes, I'll be around on weekends. I'll be much more uh, loving, give you more Cut time, sense, all this yeah. stuff. So I kind of had that in the back of my head. Like, same thing. Like you, like I wanted to commit to this date and just kind of stick to it. But then on the other side, I kind of thought a lot about how, you know, one thing we haven't said is like when you take a practice test, that's not free. Mm -hmm. Like you pay like $60 or so every yeah. practice test. And I think that there's 
five for the MD, six or so for the MD test, and maybe another five or six for the DO test. But it's still not free endeavors. Right. And so I kind of looked at every one of those companies as predatory towards medical students like us, that they wanted us to buy preferably every single practice test. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't those... Those testing companies, and even if it was a national testing company, sort of underpredict you because that would show the consumer, us, oh, like shit, like I need to buy another one. I need to do another practice test. So I kind of kept thinking that. I was like, okay, I think that they're maybe slightly underpredicting me, slightly underpredicting me. Maybe that was all like just kind of horseshit, but that's at least what I told myself Mm -hmm. to convince myself to really take that exam because. My practice exams, like, I started to see a steady incline, and then I had one really bad test right at the end. Maybe it was just, like, a bad day, like you said, but it was it was awful. But I ended up uh, passing both the USMLE and Comlex. Uh, the USMLE, I got um, a score that was right around sort of where my predictive was. It was a little bit lower than that one last predictive test. And then the Comlex I did a little bit better on than I anticipated. So I was really, really excited. Um, Happy things kind of just worked out Mm -hmm. the way they were supposed to. Yeah. I, yeah, I, the whole experience was very, I just started getting angry (laughs) kind of at the end when I didn't do so well in those practice tests. And I was thinking, how is this not enough? Like, how is what I've been doing not enough to pass this test? And how is all my classmates who I'm seeing here day in and day out at the school, or, you know, they're posting on Instagram that they're studying early in the morning, late at night. How is this not enough to pass the test? And why do we have to keep paying $60 every time and just get defeated and defeated? And you're taking new world questions and you know when you start out you're getting such low percentage you're like did I learn anything the past year and a half and it's just such a discouraging process in the time of our life and I just had had enough (laughs) you know like so did you and like you said I had this vacation where I was going to get to be with my whole family for a month I planned it kind of as this light at the end of a tunnel at boards and I really did consider either not going or studying while I was there and pushing my test afterwards. And I thought, you know, I just want to go be with my family. And I just want to see my nephews when they're little, like, in awe of Disney World and Harry Potter World. And I didn't want med school to take that away from me and this board exam to take that away from me. So I thought, I believe what I've done is enough, and I'm going to trust myself and trust this process and trust a higher power that I believe in that not everyone does mm-hmm. that this is the right time for me to take the test and um, so I did and I got to go on vacation with my family and I came back to start rotations refreshed and it was totally the right choice for me and yeah. I didn't get the board scores that I maybe would have wanted in a perfect world but I also don't think that that's the end of the world like I think I can show myself prove myself in other ways and I can I'm still gonna get a residency knock on wood (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so I just you will I think that we give some of the stuff too much power and the advice we get from everybody who's gone before us is always the same and I think we need to change that conversation a little bit because it doesn't have to be that way Mm -hmm. I think committing to a test date is the most 
like simplistic and easiest thing though to try to implement mm -hmm. like just go all in for one test date that you think will work for your schedule you know i heard some students i remember that kind of changed their tests if they were taking it like insanely early um but you know I think it's really smart to, to give yourself at least like a week or so break mm -hmm. of just chill time. I remember I ended up taking my test as late as you possibly could, and I didn't really get my... I think I took my test the day before orientation, the wow. complex. And like, I know those days before, those maybe additional five days or so of study time that I had on you, like it didn't really help me all that much. Like. I think if I just, in the grand scheme, like picked a picked a set test date, gave myself five days or so of relaxation time, and then started orientation, I think it would have, I'm sure it wouldn't have made that much of a difference in my score at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked another thing you said, like not giving this test too much power. Like I understand residencies, boards is maybe the most important thing that they look at, but it's also not the only thing that mm -hmm. they look at. There's a lot of other things that go into this you know, weird equation when they try to match you. Um, but this brings me to, I guess, to the next topic that I wanted to kind of almost finish on here. And I think hopefully we're now kind of getting in the end of it. Um, but the quote-unquote boards hangover. Yeah. Um, so what we're describing here is like, okay, boards essentially this is the first episode of the podcast that i've done since boards have occurred um and it's what july 28th so i took like <laughs> a month off i thought i was going to be able to do a podcast episode like five days after it like i was just over it you know i ended up like having no motivation like i just wanted to chill like go golfing be with my wife go on a bicycle go like drive around i ended up getting a new car like <laughs> Doing all these kind of stupid things in a sense, but I just needed almost some me time this past mm -hmm. month before I could do anything. Like, So what was your board's hangover like? Well, so I took my last board exam the, on June 10th, and I went on vacation on June 16th. So those few days in between, I think I literally watched Netflix and maybe like packed mm -hmm. slowly. Went to Florida with my family, and then I came back just in time for orientation. And so most of my, like, immediate boards hangover time was, like, busy running around Disney World, and, yeah. and it was awesome. But then once I started, like, orientation and rotations, I have, it's been such a struggle to pick up a book or do a question bank. Yeah. And I tried to even be so proactive by buying a couple books, getting on top of a question bank. But it's so hard at the end of the day to do that because I feel like for at least six months of our life, probably since December, you know, we've been studying for boards and school and then just boards. You don't have a life outside of that. Like maybe here and there yeah. you go out for dinner or you go to a local brewery or like something, but you don't have any free time or fun time. You think you need to be studying at all times. And so to start doing this and to be in a hospital or in a clinic, wherever we are currently rotating, it just feels like we have our life back and I'm not ready to like give that up again to yeah. studying when I come home even though we have to take an exam at the end of every rotation so you and I have a test in a week and a half, a week and, a so, half. Yeah. and it's been so hard to actually prepare for that and I mean they say being on your rotation is partly studying but no that's not enough <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, so, I don't believe that for yeah. at all 
Uh, so I know I need to, I've been trying to do stuff here and there. And I do feel so much better just about life. I feel like our lives are back and it's fun to finally put some of our knowledge to the test and into real mm-hmm. life. But I am still like, it is effort to go home and say, I actually have to do minimum 20 questions. Yeah. <laughs> Read 10 pages of this book because you will fail the test. Like you're not done with studying. I have to remind myself And that. so I guess for the listeners, so we, so I'm right now in my pediatric uh, rotation. Macy is in her internal med. So at the end of our rotations, we have to take, it's called a shelf exam or a comad exam, um, whatever. We have to take some big exam that's yours will of course be on internal, mine will be on pediatrics and you have to take that to pass the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just talking about this though, it makes me think about how I think rotations, it's in some ways easier, but some ways it's just so much different than studying for the, the mm-hmm. boards test that, you know, most of my day is still probably right now spent observing and I'm just sort of getting the feel for things. I kind of mm-hmm. do things a little bit, but I still come home exhausted because it's so new. Like I want to put on my best face mm-hmm. and like be very professional with these uh, doctors that I'm trying to impress. Um, So I remember we had a lot of professors say, like, I highly discourage you from trying or attempting to take your test in the midst of rotations, unless you have to, unless if there's a failure and, you know, you're obligated to, it's whatever, then fine. But I would, I agree with that statement, like, I don't think it's a good idea to take, like, the USMLE or something during your clinical rotations. Um, Because it's a question that a lot of people talk about, like, okay, should I take... Comlex this summer and US mid later, like it's possible certainly, but it's just really tiring after a day mm-hmm. of clinics. And I know me personally, I wouldn't really study. I don't think all that well. Um, You'd have to block out maybe four solid weeks or something where you're not rotating, which yeah. maybe that's what some people are doing. Um, but yeah, for me, and you don't know your schedule. Like for me, I'm scheduled to be at the hospital 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. That doesn't give me very much time in the evenings where I'm not too tired to study. You know, and next rotation, maybe I'll have way more time, but you just never know how, what your schedule is going to be at that time or even what your order of rotations are going to be until May, I think we found Mm -hmm. out. So it's hard to kind of plan on taking it late um, because... It is very hard to study after you've come home from, yeah. a, from a day at the on the wards. So how does your mental health compare? Let's talk about just sort of generally like during dedicated, a month before dedicated or so to your mental health now. Like what is, what is the differences? So kind of halfway through second semester, I went to a doctor because I was having heart palpitations and I was I wasn't sleeping and I was like something's wrong and they were like you're probably anxious it's probably anxiety and I was like oh good point it's probably anxiety but there's you know what am I supposed to do about that I couldn't correct that until I took the test in June and um so I kind of had to I talked to you. You told me how mm-hmm. to do some, like, meditation or some... Did you actually I do did. Oh, I did. Okay. I did some of that. I watched, like, a few of the videos you sent me. And, um, did you watch them once or did you try to do it I watched them, like, a couple of times, but then I did something else where you, like, close your eyes and tense your muscles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did that yeah, a few yeah. times. So I did try to keep it 
you know, on the forefront, especially if it was like a That's time. It's called a body scan. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to like be a little bit more mindful because I was having such trouble with like, I thought I was, you know, having some kind of heart failure, you know, who knows. But so I was not in a good place. I was just stressed. I feeling like a complete failure all the time. Like I was so discouraged. Take the test. Still don't think I knocked it out of the park. So not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Once I found out that I passed, I was like kind of a weight lifted off. Like, okay, it wasn't the score I wanted, but I passed and I can move on from this finally. And now I'm, first of all, I was interested in internal medicine and now I'm rotating internal medicine and I love it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is fun to see that something I thought I would like, I do actually like, and it's fun to just be in the middle of it. So I like going to work every day, even though it's long hours. I feel like I'm learning all the time and not being made to feel like an idiot. And that was something I was really yeah. afraid of. So I feel like my mental health is like, went from like, on I don't know if you can even do this on a scale of one to 10, maybe from like a four to a nine. Like I just yeah. feel great. I feel like- Well, and socially, you know, like your husband works a similar schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get to actually hang out. We went on a hike yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. we went, did a workout this morning. Like, we're, I just feel like our life is back. Yeah. And I, the life we had before I came to med school. And so it just feels very freeing and I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, I think during my dedicated time, why it felt so bad and it reminded me a lot of when I was super depressed. Mm-hmm was you know i don't i know you had a study buddy and you were kind of good about that mm-hmm. um i i'm super talkative so i don't like studying with people because i always ruin it so <laughs> most of my time was spent in this office slash studio that we're sitting in right now at this desk and i would just be by myself for 12 hours a day oh. about six or seven days a week and i would just feel really lonely and i knew that everyone else around me was going through the same thing but it's like you don't want to call them to hang out. Everybody's got to study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt, I think loneliness was really kind of the worst part of all of it um, because I knew like I needed to be alone to study productively, but loneliness was the demise of a lot of my mental mm-hmm. health. Um, so it's kind of weird though me saying that, I guess, because once exams finish though, I still feel I'm finding, I'm spending a decent amount of time alone. My wife doesn't have the exact same schedule as me, but like, I'm going out on the golf course yep. quite a bit. Um, I bought an old BMW and I'm working on that car by myself quite a bit. So I'm finding I'm still doing things alone sometimes, but it's now a little bit more enjoyable. I'm getting down to like what I really enjoy and mm-hmm. like to do. And at least I think my dedicated study period, why it was also so bad, it was I felt the least like balanced I've ever felt kind of thing. Like because my life was purely boards Mm -hmm. and like five two percent uh was my wife like half a percent was my cat (laughs) like the other percent was like showering and that was it you know it was just a terrible balance and now I can at least like go to work and that's my work and I should be studying a little bit but I haven't really been doing Mm -hmm. all that much I've been working on a book with my mother um spending time with my wife you know golfing exercising a little bit more it's just been i feel so much better and oh and you mentioned meditating yeah so during dedicated i was meditating like a fiend 
That's awesome. Though. Sort of. Oh. <laughs> I was super anxious and I was just like freaking out. I was meditating like three or four times a day because I would just get so pent up about the test that I found that meditating helped me kind of alleviate that. And since the test happened, I haven't meditated. Not very much, at least. Um, and one thing, at least, I think... Did you ever, during your tests, meditate at all? During the tests? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I don't sometimes even know what would, that would look like. Well, like, during my breaks. Oh. And, like, we're not allowed to wear watches, of course, during there. Um, and so I never wanted to, like, meditate and have a go, like, too long. Yeah. Like, that would be super bad. But what I would do is like, okay, like I have three minutes or so of break left. So I would go back and sit at my desk and meditate by counting to like 50 mm-hmm. or something really, really slow. Um, and I found that helped out with like with my test taking uh, because I guess the one last thing that we talked a lot about, um, I-, I felt really, I guess I don't know how I felt about this, but... I felt at a disadvantage because I think a lot of students who didn't necessarily need ADHD medication during this board study time were probably getting it illicitly. Oh. Um, And I felt that, you know, it's like they're using steroids and I'm not kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. Yeah. That probably was definitely, well, yeah, that was definitely happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, that's just, I don't know. It's like the people who go on Reddit or Student Doctor Network, which I call the dark web because there's nothing but darkness and sadness there. Um, People who just care too much about this exam or, I don't know, they'll go to great lengths and even, you know, I don't know, unethical lengths Mm -hmm. to do well on this one thing. And I think hopefully that catches up with them at some point or hopefully I don't cross paths with those people, you know, but... I think, like, you and I are going to do well on our clinical rotations because we, maybe the classroom wasn't our strength, but we can talk to people, and we care about people, and, you know, we care about being good doctors, and we care about that more than a number on a test. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, do what you're going to do, but, you know, my path is not hindered by that in any way, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing, and I'm going to do what I think I can do well. And well, I remember I saw the nurse practitioner and I mentioned, and I think we all can kind of say this, like, I have sometimes I have trouble focusing. Like, sometimes I find myself on Instagram longer than I want or other stupid things mm-hmm. like that. And she kind of was explaining to me, like, how bad of a decision it would be for someone like me who's manic depressive type 1, which means more mania than depression, that would go on an amphetamine, which is a stimulant. So she was like, you want, you already have an engine that essentially revs too high because you're mm-hmm. manic uh, depressive and you want to add a stimulant to that equation? She's like, no, like this is <laughs> such, we're not doing this. Yeah. And she's like, you can go to some other doctor and get this, but like it's not. And she really convinced me like this is, you might, it honestly probably could even help you in the very immediate sense of getting better grades on this test, but like you said, in the long run, it wouldn't help me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, if people are going to use it to get a better grade, then, you know, I, I don't want to condemn those people. It's just yeah. whatever. It's their decision kind of thing. But I almost wish that the higher ups 
realize that they're creating a test that forces students to have these kind mm-hmm. of thoughts and these decisions, and it's like yeah. so much rides on this test. So I guess two-parted question. Um, first off, there's been some talk about the boards going pass-fail. Would Do you support that? I guess I don't... I don't know, because I think if they make it pass-fail, something else is going to matter the mm-hmm. most, and then that thing is going to be what drives us all crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that thing would be. So, in a sense, yeah, it'd be great if it was pass-fail, but I also get they probably need some way to rank us yeah. more than just interviews, because they can interview everybody. Um I just wish there would be a kind of a change in attitude that it's like, this test is important, but it's not the most important. Like, we also care about how you do on rotations. We also care about how you interview with us. We care about how you did in class. Um, Like, I wish it was just a more balanced evaluation rather than everyone telling us the day we show up, your COMLEX and your USMLE are the number one thing residencies care about. Yeah. Um, Because I think... Yeah, I think there's always going to be something that ranks us. Yeah. But if they would just look at a whole picture, and we're taught from the beginning, the whole picture counts. Because I think I was talking to you, you know, doing volunteering, doing tutoring, like getting involved in the community, like all those things that people are doing, and maybe their grades are suffering because they're trying to actually help people in the community. Um, we're being told that doesn't matter. The USMLE is the only thing that matters. The COMLEX is the only thing that matters. So, all of us who come into medicine because we want to help people, mm-hmm. we just shut off that part of ourselves for two years to try to pass this one test. That's damaging. Yeah. You know? So, I I don't know. I think it's something needs to change. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think pass-fail is the way to go. I don't think we should shy away from competition. Yeah. Like, you know, like I read, I remember I read an article about pass-fail boards and it's like, okay... Like I and it was this one guy who ran, I think it was a neurosurgery program or something like that. And he was like, you know, I already have five thousand applications or something. Maybe it wasn't that much, but I have like thirty spots or something. It was probably mm-hmm. but he was like, How am I supposed to do that if I can't rank these people? Kind right. of thing. Like I need some means. So I think ranking isn't bad, but my problem is like I just see we've only we've both been in clinic now four weeks. And there's such a disconnect from board step one to clinical medicine. And, like, I just don't understand, like, why am I getting tested on? And I know sometimes our professors say it's not a memorization test, which is bullshit. (laughs) And because, like, you definitely have to memorize some stuff. I don't understand why our test isn't, like, like what it's going to be like in real life, especially a real life that's 2019. Mm -hmm. Here's a patient... Um, you have access to the internet to answer the question. You ha- it's very complicated and challenging. You have five minutes to give me a diagnosis of what you think it is. Rather than right now, okay, it's a 60 seconds, um, kind of you know it or you don't, it seems like. Yeah. And sometimes you can think through it. But um, I just think that would be a re- better representation of what being a doctor is really like. Rather than right now, it seems like a very intellectual... I don't know. I think I've taken enough shots to the head that I have no memorization <laughs> left. Right. Very little, at least, um, compared to some of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I feel like half the things we learn on the board exam, if I we see a patient at the hospital, I'm like, oh, that must be this. 
And he's, my doctor just shakes his head at me like, no, it's never that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's the only things we learn on the board exam yeah. is these zebras. And so in real life, I'm like, oh, it's just pneumonia. It's always pneumonia. I need to stop suggesting the bizarre things that yeah. I just studied for six months. Um, but I don't know. So let's, you know, we're coming up. We're a little past an hour. Let's think about... I guess, like, you know, I'm going to release this episode in the next week-ish or whatever. So we're going to be try to be talking to students starting their second year. So, like, thinking back about a year ago, what things do you think, if you heard them, would have been helpful in this crazy process of, like, boards? I think if you're going to take the USMLE, something I did was I underestimated the biochemistry. Mm -hmm. So if you want to take the USMLE, I would care about that. Biochem, know that stuff, and, like, care about the details. Because I thought, mm, that little detail's not important. It was always important. Um, but then as far as, I'm not mad at myself for taking systems seriously during second year. Like, I managed to kind of keep the same grades and systems as I did first year. And that's... I. I would say learn your systems, and that worked for me um, because that kind of complemented how I was board studying, even though at times it felt like it was taking away. For the most part, I liked that I paid attention and took those seriously. Mm. That might not be for everybody, um, but that would just be my thing. Um, tutoring, if you're interested in some like being someone who teach, I liked tutoring because it made me take... A so couple being hours. a tutor, being not a tutor, tutored. yeah, okay. being a tutor as a second year um, helps you kind of take a couple hours out of the day and revisit some of the topics that maybe you haven't got to in your board studying or wouldn't have got to. Um, so even all, I did it all through the year. Um, I didn't quit during. I think respiratory is the last. Um, I appreciated doing that because mm -hmm. I think it like kind of made me revisit cardio more often or respiratory. Um, so if you're kind of on the fence about tutoring, I would say it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like kind of good review, little extra money, very little money. Yeah. Um, um, don't buy everything just because it's on sale. Find somebody you trust who's gone ahead of you and talk it out with them and decide mm -hmm. what you would want to buy because it does add up. And third year, same thing. Fourth year is very expensive, so um, it never goes away. You have to be judicious with what you decide to purchase. And, yeah. So what do you think, though, you could have... Like, what advice and what lessons did you learn just from sort of like a mental health perspective on boards on how like you know it was so bad but like what things do you think you learned that at least at the end maybe that helped out or advice moving forward I liked having kind of a partner to go through it with and kind of keep each other accountable to encourage each other we kind of had like a running competition on how many questions have you gotten through and it would it was kind of motivating and almost made the process a little better to know constantly reminded someone else is as miserable as we are like my mm -hmm. class you know we're this kind of sucks but then i it, we'd meet up every now and then and kind of like this is stuff that i pulled out from my studying that i thought was interesting then he would do the same thing um and so i would say 
if you're someone who can tolerate a study buddy or you've had one in the, the past year, stick with them. Like, keep each other accountable and keep each other kind of encouraged because mm-hmm. it is, it can be lonely, like you said, and it can be just discouraging. And to just be like, hey, that's awesome. You just did so well on that test. And, or, you know, good job for only having 20 overdue. I have 30 overdue. You know, just like the little celebrations that it's nice for someone else to acknowledge Mm -hmm. what you're doing and who can understand what you're going through. I feel like that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, so one thing I want to talk about then, um, leaving off, like, so I want to split my advice into, like, academic versus mental health sort of advice for the past year. Because I think one thing that frustrated me, and I think a lot of of, uh, of our colleagues kind of felt this, is a lot of the advice that it seems medical students get from, whether that's people in the school or whatever, is like, more questions automatically equals a higher yeah. board score. Which I think is partially true, but that's just too simplistic to mm-hmm. just kind of think that way. And I know I didn't do as many questions as a lot of other people. I think I went through the U World once, and I didn't even finish Comlex. Um, but I was really into that Anki flashcard software, like trying to still do active learning. But occasionally, I was watching videos on my YouTube or other various sources mm-hmm. of watching videos. I still think at the end of the day, it has to be a little bit of everything, just to keep things fresh. Like if you're doing the same thing. 12 hours a day you're just so bored mm-hmm. um so i think a lot of students i one expression i really heard that i liked uh boards brag like oh i've done like seven thousand questions it's like cool like <laughs> okay, great. yeah whatever um so i just think you know it's not this is a very challenging test like don't think it as don't think of it as so simplistic as okay if i do 20,000 questions, I will get this score. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, probably not. No, you need to actually learn the question. Yeah, it needs to be a little bit more diverse than that. And so um, that would be one of my academic advice. We kind of talked about, like, not biting off more than you can chew. Mm -hmm. And, like, looking at a study plan of someone who succeeded, but making sure you can still apply that study plan to your own life. Because I tried to do... The student who was an amazing student and me who, like, barely scraped by med school kind of thing. And then from a mental health standpoint, like, kind of like you said, I liked giving myself little rewards. Mm -hmm. So especially once it got towards the practice test sort of time, I would take only one practice test a week. But I was every time I took a practice test a full length, I would go play a round of golf right after. Like, no matter what. Um, So that kind of at least, it sort of helped out with the craziness of this whole experience Mm -hmm. Uh, but like I said like I don't envy any of the students behind us I'm so glad we're past this Uh, boards are terrible I hope that the system changes so I don't know it can be a little bit less of a test maybe I don't know or maybe like a test one test a week over the course of five weeks I don't know if that would be any better it's just it's shitty no matter how you dice it kind of thing. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure to put on people who are already under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, med school alone is stressful. It's hard and it's isolating. And then you add in, oh, here's the biggest test you'll ever take in your life on top of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just hard to explain to people who aren't in it. And 
I guess I would just say those of you who are in it, a lot of us have gone through it now and we're happy to just talk to you about it or, you know, you will survive, you will get through it, but I don't know, until they change it, it's just kind of sucky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just, it's hard. Yeah, so hopefully today we did a good job uh, explaining to the non-medical students what this terrible process was like. Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully we explained to medical students ways to do this a little better than me and you did it. Um, but either way, I think we both explained stories that you don't see on Reddit. I think we should both post this on Reddit. We should. Um, about how, no, we're not the kind of people that got 260s or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of a good way to finish this off here i think so as i see my wife literally taking my cat for a walk outside right now on a leash. <laughs> the cat's on the leash yeah we're gonna this is amazing we're probably gonna get evicted based off of how <laughs> our neighbors must think we are well yeah it's coming on it was fun season Thanks. two episode one fantastico Thank you again for tuning in to the first episode of season two of the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Once again, if you would like to check out that book, you can go on Amazon. It's called Imperfect Balance. You can search Logan Noon or Richard Arreo. You can also find a link to the book through my Instagram page or Facebook page. If you want to learn more about me and Richard's relationship, we're really close friends. Richard was actually on the podcast on episode 19, so be sure to sh check him out, and I guarantee he will be on again in the future. Hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you again next week for Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.